Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I don't have an SLP on the air. Today, I actually have a special educator because we do tend to work with them a little bit. So today I have Heather Cassie Obo from Full Spin Ahead, and she is a middle school self-contained life schools teacher. So six, seven, eight, grade six, seven, eight. So all of us working with our older speech students, she's going to give us so many juicy goodness. I can't wait for you to listen to Heather. So Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Normally, I would say, tell everyone your SLP journey, but instead, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your special education journey. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a self-contained life skills teacher. Most of my students are nonverbal and use AAC communication devices, mostly touch chat, proloquo to go, lamp, words for life. I know that's all up in your realm. But yeah, I was... Working originally in high school setting for three years, and now I've moved to the middle school, which I absolutely love. It's such a fun age to figure out, is it behavior? Is it hormonal? Is it a little bit of both? Because they start getting a little bit of sass, and, and, and then us teachers have to try to figure it all out. And then I just love, to working with this group and seeing where they go because it's kind of like right in the middle, right? You have the elementary working on all those basic skills and all those basic needs. And now we get to the middle school and they're kind of lost because then we're going to high school, working on their own independence and taking care of themselves as much as possible, whatever that means for them. So like this middle school, I feel like is like that little bridge between both of them. So I think it's just such a fun age. 
So, so true. That's so true. I'm writing this down that you said that because it's so true in like elementary. It's like, okay, let's do basic ABCs, basic life skills of activities of daily living kind of things, brushing hair, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom. Then you get to that high school age, it's like vocational training. What do you focus on? What are you focusing on in that middle school level? Like I said, we're that bridge. So we're working on everything. We got the life skills, the grooming, taking care of yourself, hygiene, brushing teeth, cooking, cleaning, all of that stuff. And then we do pre-vocational work tasks and trying to work on as much independence as possible. I was actually just talking with somebody about how I try to work on work endurance because they're coming from the elementary school, they might have five, 10 minutes of work that they can do before they have to have a break or a reward or something like that. And so I try to build up that endurance as much as possible before they get to the high school. So I'm kind of right in the middle. We work on everything. What is the strategy that you use to help boost that other than just stretching the time? So it's still a lot of reinforcement, you know, giving them a break when you see that they're hitting that wall and that fatigue and start where they're at five minutes, two minutes, wherever it is, give them a break of whatever they really like, whatever's really motivating for them. And then, all right, let's go back to work. And then they get used to that routine and that structure. And every once in a while, yeah, you add a little 10 seconds, 30 seconds, and it just works from there. And like I said, it's very fortunate that I get to work with these students for three years. So we really do try to harness in as much as we can in that time to get them to that independent point, whatever that independence looks like for them. So true. That's such a great advice. Because a lot of times us as SLPs, we only have them for 30 minutes and we fear giving too many breaks or pushing the envelope too much because we need to get it all in. We don't have enough time to do that. But if they can't handle it, if they don't have that work endurance, we're not going to get much out of them. Correct. And we have to be okay with giving them those breaks to get more out of them after that. Correct. Because you're going to get them to a point of being melting down or worse, that it's not going to be meaningful for you to collect data or work with them because they're at a point where they're just turned off. They don't want to listen to you anymore. They're shutting down, whatever it is. And it's almost makes for a longer time that you are not working with them. And so that's it's a tough balance. You try to push the kids as much as possible and get as much as you can in the moment when they're feeling good. But pushing them too far could be detrimental. So, so true. And I think it's also so important for us as SLPs, like when we go to pick up the student, to ask the teacher, how is their day going? Mm -hmm. Is there anything we should know about before you take that student out of the room and try challenging them? Yeah, like they just had a huge meltdown because they didn't have goldfish crackers that day. Whatever it was, it's good to know and have team collaboration and communication throughout the day. I know it's so hard because you SLPs are running around the building and around the district sometimes. And you do, you pop into a classroom and say, I got this kid. I need these two kids, whatever it is. And you're out the door again. So it is, it's, it's a hard line to, to come into somebody else's room and try to not be obtrusive right? You want to make sure that you're being respectful of their classroom, but also you got to know what's going on too, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to take a student who's really just about to melt down or just exhausted from the day mm -hmm. too. You have the opposite of that where they're just tired. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've even just like, get, look, gave a eye glance to the teacher, thumbs up, thumbs down, like, give me, uh, give me a cue before I take that student out. And I, if, and if it's a thumbs up, I'll ask more questions later. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're busy working one-to-one -one with a student that needs their full attention. But even just giving that eye contact, 
I'm taking so-and-so, thumbs up, thumbs down, just yeah, to get some. Where we at? Exactly. Some sort of little meter. Could you have any more tips before we move on to another topic on collaboration with the team and working together with the SLP? Yeah. As coming from a special education teacher, I try to include as many emails as I can with the entire team on there and try to keep that communication open. And if your teacher that you're working with or groups of teachers that you aren't working with, try to reach out to them too and just give them a nice little nudge if they're not including you in the emails or you don't have a weekly team meeting or things like that because people get busy. I know meetings come up and get scheduled constantly throughout the year and you just miss that teacher. You miss that opportunity to talk to them. So I just keep trying to have that communication as much as possible. I know sometimes it sounds like you might be coming across like you're doing their job for them or you're pressing too hard, but I, I think teachers do appreciate that you're still checking in even though everybody's kind of busy and doing their own thing. I love that. Don't assume anything. Just, no. You know, can't hurt to just reach out. It's the worst yep. that happens. They don't respond, right? Yep. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about is I feel like there's a misconception that students with AAC can't read and write or are unable to. Can you go into a little more of how you work on reading and writing with your students? Yeah. So with reading, we do a lot of functional sight words. And being able to communicate those on their device or find it somewhere in their device. I know core words is another huge component of that and building sentences from those core words. So a lot of my students are working on those things and just trying to piece together short phrases or sentences for some of my students through their device and count that as they're writing. I want to see your perspective of it. I don't use it as like a formal assessment and things like that, but we will work on building a sentence about a picture. If the, the girl is at the beach, something like that we might put together as we are talking about and seeing a picture and things like that. And I count that as writing. It's almost like a text to speech. So I don't know. What is your opinion on that? I agree with that also because that's their modality also. So that's almost, I don't want to say more important than physical writing of numbers, but I would say just like speaking is a precursor to written expression. They need to know how to speak their way of speaking first before working on the mechanics of spelling out words and sounds and things like that. So Totally, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So a lot of my students are working on, like I said, finding words on their device and being familiar with it, taking ownership in their device. Many of my students are not writers. So this is their way of writing and building that confidence in using their device and being able to communicate their wants and needs and what they're feeling and thinking and they want to express. And I try to validate that as much as possible. Love that. See, guys, teachers do use AAC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I try. I, sometimes I'm, I'm almost better than some uh, substitutes that come in, but I, I, I'll just keep that to myself. Because <laughs> you're also the one with them all day long, and this is their way of communicating, and it's going to be the way to eliminate behaviors and frustrations. So the more you communicate with the device and show them model it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Can, you, can you share some like fun activities that you do? like that your students seem to enjoy and respond well to when it comes to reading and writing? Yeah, there was a couple of years that I had a lot of students on touch chats. They all had the same or similar device, similar type of word vocabulary. That's a magical unicorn, them all on the I, same thing. No, it never happens. <laughs> it hasn't happened. But that way my paraprofessionals, my classroom assistants could get more familiar with it too. So an activity I used to do 
like I said, I would put a picture up on the board, you know, and describe this picture, find a describing word. And we'd focus just on that for a couple weeks. Okay, let's find an action word to describe this picture and then work on nouns, verbs, adjectives, all part of this. And I made it a reading lesson or a language arts lesson. And that way too, like I said, the assistants get more comfortable and more familiar with it too, where they feel like they can communicate through it and not feel afraid of it. Because I feel like a lot of paraprofessionals, IAs, whatever you call them, they might be more hesitant to try to use and break the device. (laughs) You know, they won't, but I just, sometimes there's hesitation, I think with wanting to touch somebody else's things. That's very true. And us as teachers and therapists, we have to model for our paras. If we want our students to be communicating with the device, we have to model ourselves using it too. Mm -hmm. We have to talk to them using the device. And it's also our way of learning how to use it too by modeling it for them. So, and I, I don't know if anyone noticed also, Heather mentioned weeks to work on a skill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> so I wanted to just reiterate that because we always feel the need to, why isn't, why aren't they grasping the skill so quickly and what should I do? And it's okay to take the time to practice, practice, practice before mm-hmm. you see some results. Yeah. Cause there are a lot of things that we can work on with a communication device and using that confidently in them. And I know there's so many things you want to work on prepositions and, you know, syntax and everything else that goes into it. But if they don't have the foundational, like excited like confidence in themselves, I see a lot of students that just don't have the ownership and don't really see the connection to this is my voice. And that's why I find a lot in the middle school because they've now faded out of the tech systems from elementary. Now we're working on more high tech things and they're like, oh, it's just another iPad, whatever. And it's not. It's their way of being able to verbalize what's going on? What do they want? I had a student come to me a couple of years ago and yeah, the iPad would come to school and it'd stay in the backpack. And I was like, why is he not taking it out? Why is he not bringing it to the desk, bringing it has a strap? You know, you would think strap, it goes on me. When we had to teach him that this is my item, this is something that's important to me. And then anytime I had that opportunity where he could communicate his wants, his needs, bathroom or goldfish, whatever it was, I found those little moments to model it. Like, oh, it seems like you are running to the bathroom. Here you go. <laughs> you know? And ask, so, before you pee in your pants, like, I'm <laughs> running with you. Yeah. Can you share more how you've incorporated, you know, utilizing the device and utilizing their voice in some of that self-help independent skills? Like how you set up the situations so that you can do some of these teachable moments? I sabotage. I am a sabotager. If we are doing a cut and paste activity, I might not bring out the scissors. And you're missing the first step. I'll give you the paper. I'll give you the glue. Put it together. What are you missing? And it's kind of like, they look at me like, well, what do I do now? It's like, well, what, what do you need? I don't know. What do you need? Tell me. I do that all the time. Even with my verbal students, like my verbal self-contained students, I get that look like, you're going crazy, Mrs. Sherman. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> do you remember? And I'm like, did you remember? I don't know. And like, and I just sit there. <laughs> another opportunity for me to bridge that independence of asking for something or them go get it themselves, find where it is. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my things are labeled in the classroom. 
it's easily accessible. It's not like I'm truly hiding the scissors, mm-hmm. but it does work on multiple things and and encourages that communication, self-advocacy. There's a whole lot that goes into that. Love that. So if you guys are listening, sometimes you don't need to develop an entire whole lesson on requesting. Sometimes it could just be that five-second teachable moment within the session that you incorporate it in. It doesn't have to be a whole drawn-out thing because then you're going to be requesting. They're going to get bored of it. They're going to get frustrated and it's going to go nowhere. So (laughs) yeah. Love it. Love it. Do you have any other fun life skill lessons and fun things you'd like to share that you like to incorporate some themes or? Yeah. Cooking in community is always my favorite to incorporate communication. Likes, dislikes, go, don't go. Things like that. I love where kids can express. Do they want more? Are they all done? Did they like, don't like things like that? So I try to bring that opportunity because it is more of a fun lighthearted it's not as rigorous or we're learning our alphabet or we're learning our numbers or whatever it is it's more of a casual opportunity to have a conversation it's great skills to have and my students need those too mm-hmm. so so true it, it, it also teaches them to prep for eating and cleaning up and requesting there's so many things that you can work on intertwine with the activity i love it work on the describing piece Using the device. Yeah. Is it hot, cold, whatever? Is it round? Is it soft? Is it chewy? Is it sweet? Is it sour? All those fun adjectives that you can totally work on. And then the verbs, mixing and, I don't know, rolling and mashing. Or, yeah. And for a couple of years, my speech pathologist would come in and do cooking lessons with us and kind of sabotage or not sabotage. And it is, it's a different type of environment versus a let's sit in my office and you communicate back and forth with me. And it it does, I think, bring out more of the student's personality and the student's willingness to try, I think, Love it. where it's less structured, less stressful. You're not truly looking always for an answer. You might be working with other students and it's more of a group setting too. So if you are only doing one-on-one sessions, I would say consider trying to do some small group or large group sessions and um, give those opportunities where students communicate back and forth with each other and explain why they don't like something or explain why they do like something. And you can have a whole discussion around it. Love it. I do love having groups, especially with those life skill students and playing a game and having them tell each other to take turns, like whose turn is it? And they're not allowed to go until they were told it's their turn to go. And it's so interesting as you build that routine in week after week, session after session, by the end of the school year, they're like, dude, you got to, you got to say it's your turn. Like, (laughs) yep, yep, they do. They start egging each other on kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, come on, we're waiting for you. Yeah, we've done those as well, doing board games. It's, it is, it's just a fun opportunity to, to see what they express and mm-hmm. what they say. And for a while, we were working on commenting as well. Like, Love nice it. job, way to go. Uh, <laughs> or that stinks, you know, sometimes. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay to lose. And that is a typical reaction. So that's, I love that. Love, love that. Do you have a favorite cooking activity? Favorite cooking activity. I like anything that like where I can be silly and I can, in a way, play play dumb mm-hmm. of like, 
where would I find the mixer? Where would I find? I mean, I can do that for any activity, but I think that's my favorite is when they're like, okay, put the eggs in the pot or to make scrambled eggs or put the eggs in the pan. So I literally put the carton of eggs in the pan. I said, okay, I'm going to turn on the, the stove now. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they all like, no, 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 don't do that. Um, and I'm here, no, 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 no. Um, like, okay. All the mice is going off at once, like freaking out. I put the eggs in the pan. I put the eggs in the pan. I don't know, you know? And so I just, I think, like I said, not being as structured and as rigorous as you always need to be, like having a little fun with it too, it helps the students make that connection a little bit better. Love it. Love that. I, I do it sometimes with my verbal students on having them tell me how to put on a jacket. And they put it over there. And I'm like, okay, it's over there. They're like, put your hands in. And I put my hands in like the wrong spot. And they're like, no! Get so frustrated. <laughs> One of my favorite cooking activities, because it doesn't involve any like ovens and stuff, okay. is cups of dirt. So easy. Oh, yeah. So easy. Fun. So easy. And then you get to smash the crack. It's so, so fun. Gummy worms. Who doesn't love gummy worms? <laughs> Had the gummy worms and the, the work that go swimming. It's, it's great. Then you dig for dirt. It's amazing fun. And then you can talk about like, why is that kind of gross? Yeah. <laughs> so my next question would be, do you have any favorite literacy-based activities, storybooks? Because it's a really big challenge where you want it to be age appropriate yet at their cognitive levels. So do you have any favorite ways to incorporate books and literacy? I mean, a lot of the students that I work with, it's bringing in their interests as much as possible. Of course, we want to keep it as age appropriate as we can, but there's trying to think storyline online is a free website i really like storyline online celebrities reading books aloud not that that's true reading for them but listening to a book is still amazing you know I, we've been doing a lot of books lately the v-o-o-k-s i know reading a disease another great resource a huge library of texts for students to either read it aloud or they read it what was the other one i was thinking of epic Epic, yes. Epic is another one. Again, huge library. And then I've previously used Myon, M-Y-O-N. Again, huge library, stories read aloud to them, or they can read it, comprehension questions, everything. So that's another resource that we've used. Have you used Raz Kids? Raz Kids, reading A to Z. Yeah, yeah they're kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I find it's tough because if their interests are Clifford, yeah. then you just it. Like, I know we want to say they can't, but if that's what they're into, mm-hmm. use it to your advantage. Yeah. I have a student that loves Mario. So anything Mario, Donkey Kong, that, that, that whole world. So I've found some like animated comics and like animated kind of books where there's a couple words here and there. And he's been reading those. And it's really kind of cool to see like, yeah, okay. It's like a a kid's, but there's teenagers, there's adults reading and doing these video games. You know, if it's something he likes, I'm totally going to bring it in the classroom. I'm totally Googling these Mario animated books. (laughs) Totally checking that out because I know my students would enjoy it as well. Oh yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Anything else that you would like to share that you feel SLPs working with this population should be aware of if they aren't already or just a tip, reminder, a hack, anything? Yeah. Coming from a teacher standpoint, I've worked with a lot of SLPs throughout the years. I know communication is huge and very important. And I want to say, don't be afraid to communicate. If you want to push into a classroom, ask. If you know that teacher's not going to be with it, 
might as well ask and get the no. I think I'm more appreciative when the speech pathologist would like to come into my classroom and be a part of an activity we're doing or be a part of a station that we do where they can see all the students then as we cycle through every 20 minutes or whatever it is. So I think there's more opportunity to be able to push in, be a part of the classroom, be there in the element rather than pulling them every single time. So just be open to that. Love it. Love it. That is such a great tip. And I love just not being afraid to ask what's the worst that happens. And I'm not a huge fan of push-ins, but when it comes to the life skills, that's the one classroom that I always love to push into because I feel like you could get so much more insight seeing how they're functioning. And it's a great way to model like the teacher can see how I'm modeling and prompting. I can see how they're modeling and prompting. It's a way for us to collaborate without having the time to actually collaborate. Yeah. And it's a great time to get feedback too. If we're over prompting, tell us. We need to know that because like you said, we spend a lot of the time in the classroom with the student and their device. And if I'm over prompting or over supporting anyway, like I would rather know than be setting that student up to fail. Love that. Love that. See guys, you heard it. You're not all bad. You heard it here first. (laughs) So thank you, Heather, so much. Tell everyone where can they learn more about you and what you have to offer? Awesome. I thank you so much for having me. First off, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. Yes, I am on the internet. Fullspedahead.com. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just fullspedahead.com. Um, that's my website, my blog. You can find me there. All my social media links will be on there. I have a Facebook, fullspedahead, and also on Instagram, fullspedahead. And we'll have links in the show notes, so not to worry. So you can head on over to there once you're done listening and done driving. I don't want you getting pulled over. <laughs> no car accidents because you're checking out Heather out on Instagram, whatever. So I always like to end my episodes with a joke. So I thought it would be fun to do a fun one. It's all fun. Why didn't Cinderella make the basketball team? She kind of knows because I already told her this joke, but she's pretending like she doesn't know. So I'm going to say why <laughs> she ran away from the ball. But <laughs> And I like to share that one because I was not the athlete. I, I was cut from like the no cut tennis team. So it's totally appropriate. I would be the one that ran away from the ball. And yeah, not make the team. So yes, Hallie Sherman is not the athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and I always tell my students that and, sh- and we use it as like a growth mindset thing. Like yep. not everyone has straight. So we, it's perfect. Yeah. So thank you, Heather, so much for joining us. Everyone go check Heather out on Instagram, Teachers Pay Teachers, or website. You won't regret it if you, especially if you do work with the middle school population, tell your middle school special ed pals that you work with, the ones that you, when you're popping in to go grab your self-life skills students today, be like, hey, have you heard of uh, Full Spot Ahead? Tell them about it, Heather, because they won't regret it. That'd be hey. awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.